Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. Probably the easiest thing I've ever done. The medication comes in the mail and it's very easy to use. I've been able to live my normal lifestyle and I've lost 20 pounds already and I've never felt better. It changed my life. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. What's up, guys and girls? I would like to welcome you to the Real Talk Week, a special week where I'm giving you a brand new Real Talk with Zuby episode every weekday. Five new podcasts, five new guests, and five new awesome sponsors. While we're in this lockdown period, I thought it would be really important to help people to promote their businesses, their services, and their products. So make sure you check out the sponsor of each daily episode and tell them that Zuby sent you. Now today's podcast is sponsored by a startup company called Regimen Performance. Now they are creating a revolution in home fitness with an electronically controlled high-intensity strength training machine that they call the Epoch. It works without using weights by matching the exact resistance that your body creates, allowing you to get stronger, faster. This is all done with increased safety, while the machine automatically tracks your progress and the touchscreen interface allows you to train online with experts. What Peloton did for spin bikes, Regimen is doing for strength training. The team at Regimen would like to find and connect with enthusiastic supporters of what they're building. They're also seeking funding to continue creating this amazing machine, so if you want a chance of owning one, Head over to their website and check them out. Search for Regimen Performance on Twitter or Instagram, or sign up to their newsletter at regimenepoch.com. That is Regimen, R-E-G-I-M-E-N, Epoch, E-P-O-C-H, dot com. Regimenepoch.com. Get involved, ask questions, and share with others. Go check them out, regimenepoch.com. Now on with the show. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls around the world? I would like to welcome you back once again for another episode of Real Talk with Zuby. On today's episode, we have got on a very well-known author and journalist, and this is Mike Cernovich. Welcome to the show, man. How you doing? It's great to see you. Likewise, bro. All good. So for people who may not know you, how do you describe yourself to the world? Yeah, that's always the hardest question, right? That's always the hardest question because I, I do so much in a lot of different fields, but I keep it general. I've done everything from I wrote a best-selling book on mindset. I think that's actually how 
you and I initially connected mm-hmm. was like five years ago, completely uh, away from all of this. And then I went from having a pretty cool, like four hour work week style, you know, life traveling mm-hmm. all over the world, writing books, hanging out to ruining my life and getting involved in politics. And now I do sort of a hybrid mixture of some media reporting, media commentary, the break a big story when I can get it, mm-hmm. break, break a small story when I can get it and just keep the, keep the faith and keep the pressure on. Awesome. Well, I think what would be really interesting actually is to kind of hit rewind and go back into, you know, finding out a little bit more about you. I think a lot of people have heard about you and have sort of seen certain things and whatever, but you know, with most people who have had an interesting life, that's always just the, that's kind of just the, the tip of the iceberg. So it'd be interesting to sort of find out a little bit more about your background and how you even got into these different areas, right? How you started, you know, like what, what's the story? What's the story behind all that? Right. That's what's interesting when you're a, a public figure, public, whatever you want to call it, people will get a glimmer of the kaleidoscope mm-hmm. and then that's how they define you. And I've, I've seen it even done to you now because oh, I've yeah. seen this stuff for years. Yeah. I'm like, that's not even, that's not even true, right? Yeah. So there's, there, there's always two reactions I have to people. One is, well, you know, I might not think that that's fair that you would think that, but I can see why you think that. Mm-hmm. And then other times, it's just, it's not even true. I don't even, I don't even know where your people are getting this from. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you have to, you have to really become used to it. But I got into, so I started off, I was a lawyer, went to law school, moved out to California from a small town, went to law school, was doing lawyer stuff. But um, all my life early on, I'd, I'd done like martial arts and read philosophy and was really just trying to kind of figure out life. Mm. You know, maybe, maybe I was a, a sad kid in hindsight. You know, it's hard, hard to know for sure. Well, no, I mean, I certainly was as a little kid, a little, little sad kid probably. And was just always trying to figure out life just for myself. And then I remember when I was taking a road trip or when I was 19 or so, 18, 19, 20, and I found this book, Dale Carnegie. It wasn't how to, friend wins, uh, how to win friends and influence people, which is great, but mm-hmm. it's how to stop worrying and start living. Okay. And it's actually the better of the two books. And I thought, man, you know, one day I want to kind of write a legacy book like this, a kind of book you're dead for a hundred years, some teenager is in a bookstore somewhere and they find your book. Mm-hmm. And that was always in the back of my mind that I wanted to do it. I just wasn't really sure um, how I would do it, what I would write about. And I, but that was always in the back of my mind. So, so then I was in law school, I was doing legal blogging. Mm-hmm. And I was an early, early adopter of like blogging as a platform to, because I never wanted to be a writer. This is what's weird about these paths that, that people take is, I never wanted to be a writer per se, but I always wanted to, to people to read me, which is sounds like a contradiction, but here yeah. we are. And I started law blogging and then I, I transferred over to more lifestyle kind of blogging, more mindset kind of blogging, picked up a huge audience mm. for that. Kind of, I was recognized in public for the first time from a blog, which is sort of was kind of a weird thing, weird thing, right? Yeah. What was, um, what were, what were those first blogs? So I know you had, yeah, I had a, a early blog, crime and federalism. Okay. Yeah. That was just my early law blog. A lot mm. of people don't know about that. Cause I have a whole law life before my mindset life, before my whatever social political commentary life. Yeah. And 
yeah, so people started recognizing me in public from a blog and it was kind of weird. And then some of the articles were just like killing it on page views. So I reverse engineered how I'd write my book. I, I would see, oh, this, this article or whatever got 150,000 uniques or something and mm-hmm. 300,000 uniques. I'm like, wow, that's, this is a lot. At least yeah. it felt like a lot and I think it was a lot. Mm-hmm. And then, so then I started shaping my, my book around stuff that I had written. And then that gave way to Guerrilla Mindset, which I published in 2015 in Thailand. Okay. So I lived, yeah, yeah. I lived, I lived in, so that, that's just a kind of a, that's a shorter story, the longer story. Mm-hmm. But the, the meta story is that how your life vision becomes realized. I just always had this life vision that, you know what, one day I'm going to live in Paris and write in Paris. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how. I was going to do that, I just, but I knew it in my heart that I was going to do that. And then, you know, I did that. Yeah. And one day I'm going to write a book that like a lot of people read and, you know, I've done that. Mm-hmm. And I never had, you know, way more people read me now, but I never, never could have even imagined yeah. now, but just it's incomprehensible in those days. So when you were, when you were writing the blog, what was the, what was the real motivation for that? Especially as someone who said you, you don't, you know, didn't, and maybe still don't particularly love the art of writing. What was it that made you sort of keep going with that? Because I think blog blogs are pretty difficult to be consistent with. Like if you don't really, really just sort of like love the, uh, I don't know, love, love the art of it itself. So what sort of kept you motivated in terms of just putting down those words and then just leaving them up on the internet for anyone to read? Right. I just, I would always just blow off steam. I've, okay. I've said it before that, you shouldn't, whenever people go, oh, I want, to, I want to start a podcast, I want to start a blog, and I go, well, can you not write mm. what you mean? Can, or, do you feel like if you don't say something that you're going to throw up and feel yeah. sick? Yeah. I don't feel like do it because you won't make any money. If you do make money, it'll be a long time mm-hmm. away. You'll be in obscurity. Nobody's going to read your stuff, just the nature of the world. But if you feel like it, so for me, I was just blowing off steam. I was yeah, just yeah. goofing off saying things, you know, and, how, and this, just to show that I had no idea I'd be here. I was just say anything because nothing like, <laughs> you know, you're just like, yeah. you know, firing stuff off. Cause that was the point. It was just like a, a goof, a goof off kind of deal. Mm-hmm. And then, and then as, as you, as you do that, you find your own voice. Mm-hmm. You know, the number one challenge that people have as an artist is how do you find your voice? Well, you have to scream a lot. Yeah. You don't just get up there. I mean, some people maybe do like, Kanye or someone, right? But I'm not Kanye. <laughs> yeah. and, you know, maybe I'm the Kanye of, social, of Twitter now, but it took me 20 years, 20 years to do that. Yeah. But I think about it, Notorious B.I.G., like he and Tupac, they died in their like early 20s. Yeah, mid-20s. Right? And you're thinking, wait, so Tupac was doing that at 19? That's crazy. Yeah. So some people have that. Other people, you just got to grind for it. Mm. And I was definitely the latter category of person who I just, I just had to grind. Awesome. And you, you've gone through, I mean, with your, your blogs and your work, I mean, you've really gone through a big range of different things. So you started out in law and then you moved on more to kind of uh, masculinity and lifestyle kind of stuff. And then more into mindset and self-improvement and then into the world of, you know, politics and commentary and journalism. What's the, what was the thread between all those different things? The thread really is just crushing it, smashing it. Whatever you're going to do, just crush it. Mm. When, I, when I waited tables, 
for tips for, for college, like I just crushed it. I was like, I'm just going to be a great waiter. I'm just going to get the most tips, even though women always get tipped more than men. And that's just the way it is. Yeah. But every time, like, even if it was some like crappy job, I was always like, just got to crush it. Mm. So the common thread was always just, just really bring it in whatever you do. And then level up, level up at what you're doing, level up the leverage of what you're doing, level up the game of what you're doing. So that, that was the common thread. So that's why for me, it was nothing to go from, you know, I want to go to law school and I want to be like a legal scholar mm -hmm. and I want to like write articles that are influential. And I did. And then I want to write a website about gym stuff, mindset, lifestyle, just that nobody was the stuff that I, that people take for granted. Like me, I was talking about, you know, androgenics and a lot of other things that, you know, kids shouldn't get into, mm -hmm. you know, something when you're much older, maybe you think about, nobody would talk openly about it. I would just sure. say, look, here's, you know, here's what I'm doing. Yeah. And I was so full, fully transparent. Any, any part of my life, that sort of authenticity, especially from uh, male writers, usually the, uh, the authentic style was reserved. There were a lot of like female writers were kind of allowed to do that, but men weren't really allowed to do that. Just really authentic, vulnerable writing. Yeah. And I, I did that because if you want to be a writer, then, and you want to be a beautiful writer, you want to create anything beautiful and meaningful. You have to hurt. You have mm -hmm. to suffer. People mm -hmm. don't realize that you have to share, share a piece of your soul every time you write. And that was a common theme. And because of that, like when I wrote about the kind of stuff I wrote about, there was no one else like doing it. Yeah. When I, when I moved into Twitter or social media or whatever, mm -hmm. people just like, they'd never seen anything like that before. And that's because I, I, I bring in, you know, everything to it, my whole dimension, my whole character, my whole personality. Yeah. People are doing that a little bit more, but not really, even mm. not like if you, if you follow um, like a, a conservative Twitter account, the conservative Twitter account is going to be like, you know, Trump's pretty good, but today I'm kind of mad and mm -hmm. we need our guns and, you know, we love God and everything, mm -hmm. which is fine. If you yeah, follow yeah. a liberal account, orange man's bad and everything. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. But, but you just never hear somebody say, you know, I thought about killing myself last night. Yeah. Right. If you did, it was like the internet would stop. Yeah. But but it, but and, and everybody or, or, or if they are saying it, they're saying it every day, and right, right, that, that is yeah. that is their actual theme. Yeah, people they they live that like one dimensional life of well, yeah. I'm a political commentator, so I you know I'm not going to talk about going to the gym, or yeah, I'm yeah. not going to talk about like a personal struggle I had, or I'm not going to talk about anything else. Mm -hmm. And I've always wanted to be more than one dimensional. I wanted to be three dimensional. Yeah, no, I, I relate to that a lot because for the first for the first, you know, 10 years of my music career, I mean, I've been on social media a long time. I've been on Twitter since 2009, Facebook since 2004. Uh, like I've been on these platforms for a long time. And for the first 10 years, I made a sort of concerted decision not to talk about certain things, right? I was like, okay, I'm a musician. I'm an artist. I'm going to just use all this stuff for my art and for my music. And I'm just, I'm not going to put anything political on Twitter or on Facebook or whatever. I'm not going to share my view on society or on culture, nothing beyond my music really. And maybe the occasional little life update or travel update or something like this. And then, you know, for multiple reasons, I shifted in 2018 and just started, you know, rolling back, just bringing out more of my personality, right? Like lowering that shield a little bit. Sometimes I, I still question whether or not, you know, this was a good idea, but, but, um, but yeah, it's, it's weird because 
you were talking about honesty and vulnerability and stuff like that. And that it's very much a double-edged sword because it, it makes people connect with you and really resonate with you. And people are like, yeah, this guy is saying what I'm thinking. But then at the same time, of course, it opens you up to a lot of attack or, you know, people digging up things from the past and using those to, to, to club you with, or there, there's so much more for people to misinterpret as well. You know, and I, I see that happen to you. You see that happen to me. Like you'll say one thing and then it goes through this weird Chinese whispers filter. And then it comes out on the other end. Like you said, Oh wait, that's not, that's not what I said. It's certainly not what I meant. I guess, how do you sort of balance that? And what's been your experience with just kind of dealing with all the, all the fallout because in, in, we're, we live in a new time. I mean, in the past, I feel like someone could have done this. If you had an author who writes novels or writes books or whatever, they could have done that, but they wouldn't be getting, they wouldn't, they weren't, they weren't exposed to the feedback really. Right. They put the novel out there and maybe they'd see the sales and get some money, but you don't have, you don't take something out of your pocket or go on, on a computer and see like every single person under the sun telling you in detail <laughs> what they think about you and their feedback and everything like that. So how do you manage it? Well, the, now it's just part of the day job. Yeah. And, I, and I've lived through it all before. I'm like, oh God, I'm going to go here and do that. Yeah. But early on, no, it's bracing. Or it's, it's, uh, it's, first of all, it's very um, human to want to be liked. Yeah. So when you find out people don't like you with an intensity that you can't comprehend, mm. You're like, what that? What did I do wrong? Right? You yeah. almost get gaslit into thinking you're a fault. Yeah. And then the worst is when you read articles that just aren't true. Yes. And and that are like one of them was I I made the okay sign and it was the number one story on Yahoo that I was trying to make a racial statement inside the White House. Okay. Yeah. He followed my stuff for years. Yeah. You know, like that's just not my bag at all. Yeah. And in so then my Persian mother-in-law gets an email from her cousin saying, wait, isn't that like Shauna's husband? Oh, I didn't gosh. know that he was this thing. That kind of stuff to this day infuriates me actually. Yeah, it actually, yeah. cause you're, you're messing with the person's family. Sure. You're lying about them. It's one thing to be like, well, sort of it said this thing. And even though he was joking, let's all pretend he's not joking. It's like, okay, but at least I said it. Mm -hmm. At least you have some integrity there. Yeah. But when they do things like that, you, you'll, never, you'll never become comfortable with that. You'll never just accept yeah. that somebody's lying to you and you're the number one story in the world about a lie. That, that, you, you remember that stuff for a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah no, that, that's, I think that is the worst. Because, I mean, that's, you know, that's borderline, I mean, maybe not even borderline. You know, it becomes sort of libel or slander. In UK, when it someone would is be. Saying, yeah, when yeah, someone is yeah. literally saying, okay, like, you did this. Or you, and it's like, no, like, I really... I really didn't. If, if it's like, okay, I said this thing and you misinterpreted it or whatever, that's one thing. But I mean, it's weird. Like I, I try not to, especially now, I mean, I used to be able to sort of like happily Google myself or like search for myself on certain things and not be, not be, you know, I'd be excited about people writing about me. Whereas now, I mean, I don't even know what it would be like for you where it's just like, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm still trying to work out that balance between not being sort of, totally detached and just uh because i don't want to ignore like i mean you know most people who know me do like me and i don't want to you know ignore my actual fans or my supporters and not respond to them or anything but it's like in order to do that sometimes it's like you have to wade through the sewage to find the nuggets of gold yeah well and, and most of it and that's the problem too is you have to come to terms with most people who don't like you they just like you they buy your stuff <laughs> You know, like my movie Hoax was at like number three on documentaries and iTunes. Like yeah. 
but all those people doing it aren't going to be like, I like you. Yeah. When you hate someone, you want to let that person know, <laughs> I hate your guts. So you feel like, oh my God, the world hates me. Yeah. There's like a couple people who like me. And it's actually the opposite. A hundred mm. for every one hater, a hundred people like you. And, but they're not, going, they're not going to tell you. So once you just attune that, you, you like me, I'm just a block machine. I'm like, oh God, block, block, <laughs> block, you know, block you. Yeah. And you, and you get over it and you do have to, uh, it's part of the artistic revival. It keeps you fresh. It keeps mm. you lucid to have that kind of resistance and to have that going on. I, it's just, oh my God, it's like a nagging ex-wife. Like, well, just leave me alone. I don't care. You're not hurting my feelings. Yeah. I'm not sad. I'm not mad. It's just like Viagra spam email <laughs> or something. Like, oh, I got to go through my email every day and delete like 50 emails. Yeah. I got to block 50 people a day. Ugh. Yeah. I just find it weird how, how much people go out of their way. Like, that, that's the thing I find odd. I mean, I have some people who are, I don't know, they'll subscribe to my YouTube channel or they'll follow me on Twitter or on Facebook or whatever. Like just to, I mean, it's a little bit like, it's like, you know how every time Trump tweets, like there's like the same sort of 10 yep. accounts that <laughs> respond to every single tweet without fail. It's like, okay, if I look at this tweet, this person, yep, there they are. And I, I find that it's weird because especially as a, as a musician, it's like, it's almost like it's the other side of like a super fan. Yeah, Howard Stern showed that where, the the radio the hate listeners would listen to something like seventy five percent more than right <laughs> no he he because he was the original guy who was hated right and, yeah. and to us that's funny you're like wait people hate Howard Stern how could you oh he was despised mm. the level that we're not even like close to yeah and 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 they went through and they actually did the data the hate listeners listen to your stuff more than people because people like you like oh yeah I like Mike I like Zuby. Uh, you know, ah, I'll listen to that in a week or so. Yeah. The haters are like, oh God, I wonder if they said anything that I can clip out. <laughs> Hell yeah, like, let's do this. Yeah, it, it is. It's such a strange mentality because I, I, don't, I just don't have that at all in me. Firstly, I don't hate anybody. Like, I, can, right. I can honestly say that I do not hate anyone, right? You know, right. there's people I disagree with. There might be some people who I don't like or, you know, I don't like the way they come across or something, but there's literally no, no person in this world who I hate. And even right. if, if I don't like somebody's content or I don't like, like the last thing I'm going to do is follow them and listen to absolutely everything and comment and engage with everything. Like that's just such a, I don't know, we've only got so many hours in the day and it just strikes me as a very bizarre way for someone to, to spend their time or to dedicate. Yeah, I've had, I've had haters find things that I'm like, I don't even know what this is. There's like all these <laughs> audios of me and I'm like, yeah. I don't even, I don't even know. I don't even think this is me. And then I would go back and I'm like, I don't remember it. And there was one because it sounded pretty bad. I was like, what is this? You know, yeah. I don't. And then, and then I found out it was like, do an impersonation Charles Manson. So then oh, I was like, okay. I am a serial, you know, like oh, I'm right. just saying all these things. But I'm like, this was in 2012. I don't even remember <laughs> saying that, let alone doing it. So then you have to actually, because people be like, well, what is that? Because usually I don't care. I'm like, oh my God. But I'm like, no, that's actually sounds pretty bad. Let me, yeah. let me find out what, what was going on there. Yeah. I'm like, where, then I'm talking to Shauna. I'm like, she's like, I don't know. I don't even know where this is from. <laughs> so that, that's how dedicated your haters are. They're finding things that you don't even know that you did. Yeah. And then you don't even remember when it was. And then you have to find out when it was. And then, then you have to go back and listen and waste your time. And then you're like, Oh, of course. So now when people ask me, I'm just like, look, it's a deep fake. Everything yeah. is just a deep fake. It's a deep <laughs> I'm just, I'm so tired of telling people like, 
it, like right now, like if we do a podcast and I were to say like certain words, I would spell them out. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a 42 year old man, but I know that if I say it, that'll get clipped out with, you know, the part where I'm <laughs> saying I'm about to do an impersonation. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, or if I do video and, and I'm saying things, I'll cover my mouth a little bit. That way it just, it just messes up the, the video of it. Mm. And, and, it, and I'm laughing because this is absurd. This is an absurd world that we live in, especially yeah. now with coronavirus hitting and you're realizing all that time, all those people spent drudging stuff up is nothing. It means talk about building your house on sand. It means mm. nothing. We have a real crisis and suddenly those people are worried about other things, but they yeah. should have been worried about those other things before. Yeah. So big question. I mean, what made you want to step into the political arena? I didn't. I mean, okay. you remember my old writing. I was anti-politics. Yeah, I, do. Yeah, no, I know. I, was, I know. That, that's why I'm, I'm curious as to yeah. how you, how did you was end that, up becoming, yeah. you know, seen that way? Truly accidental. Okay. And I was in, so the story goes, I was just in Paris walking around, you know, living the dream life. And I saw these like newspaper covers, Le Monde or, or Le Monde or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was just orange hair. And it looked like this yellow blazing uh, kiosk because it was okay. Trump's face everywhere. And I go, <laughs> oh, yeah, Donald Trump's on for president. Yeah, he's probably going to win the nomination. Okay. So I just tweeted, oh, yeah, but Trump, Trump's going to like clearly um, – at the time, early on, I, was, I thought Ted Cruz still would have got him because Ted Cruz is so smart. Mm-hmm. You, you know, Ted Cruz is like Elon Musk. He is a, not the best guy to bet against. So I was like, oh, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think Trump will – people are like yelling at me. No, he won't. 3% ceiling. I was like, no, he, he just – what I know about human nature is that's not how it works. If yeah. everybody in the world knows about you, more than three people are going to like you, right? Mm-hmm. Just, I'm, just the numbers don't work. So I started arguing with people. And then I was like, I'll show you. I'm going to help this guy. (laughs) (laughs) So there's no like noble origin story where I fall (laughs) in Damascus and I fall down and I see the light. (laughs) Okay. Wow. And and then, I mean, cause, cause that, that really was like a big part of your, your gig for a while, wasn't it? You know, you, you, you did, you did kind of become the, the Trump guy, you know? I mean, I would, we would make every hashtag in 2015 and 16 trend news stories had to like report on us. I have a full profile in the New Yorker, mm-hmm. which is, I've been profiled in New York times. Like every, every, it's so bizarre. Like to say, you're just like, yeah, it, it really is what put me on the map politically, so to speak, even yeah. though my life was better just on an objective level. And all <laughs> I did was a mindset stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It was just so much like low stress. Nobody's trying to, like, you, you would get a random stalker now and then, but not mm-hmm. like I have now. And I was like, literally my life was, I'd wake up and uh, I, so I finished the book in Vietnam okay. and then I went to, to Koh Samoy. So I just hit publish, self-publish while I'm at a resort in Koh Samoy, swimming in the water and everything with, you know, a beautiful woman. And In hindsight now, given where things are now, do you have any, are you sort of happy that you went in that direction or? Are you a little bit apprehensive? If you could go back, would you have done stuff differently at all? Yeah, I don't know that I ever would have gotten to this world. Mm-hmm. Um, looking back, it, you know, in a way, we've done some significant things. I think we've moved the world in a better place. I think we prevented a, a major war in Syria. So, but that takes, um, takes a toll on you, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. So my earlier, my earlier life was much more 
it was an easy life. Yeah. It was a good life. It was a fun life. There's almost a, a lesson in, you know, your own journey as a man where you're not really a man until other people rely on you. Cause people mm-hmm. say, what's a man, right? You're a man when you, other people rely on you. And it, it, before I got into politics, nobody, nobody ever relied on me. Okay. Like, you know, I had Shauna and whatever, but you know, she was young, attractive, has her own money. You know, it's not really the obligation. Yeah. Now it's like the weight of the world. The weight of the world is on me in a way that it wasn't before. So that's, that's why the, I don't have a yes or no answer. Yeah. I'm definitely not a yes or no answer. I mean, what were the, what were the biggest changes for you in terms of sort of, I don't know, like real life or, you know, what, what really, what massively changed for you in that regard? Right. Um, workload increased, mm-hmm. pay, pay, pay decreased. Mm-hmm. So you would think that because I'm, you know, quote unquote, more notable now that I would be making more money, but it's actually the opposite. Okay. If you just have like a niche that you're in, that you just kill it. Mm-hmm. That's a very, very good place to be. People underestimate that. And the, the pressures, you know, like I literally talk to people in the white house every day. Okay. You know, things, things that we talk about, like with coronavirus, you can watch them filter up through like me on Twitter to, to, to world affairs. Mm. So there's always these pictures of presidents who, how they ages them. And you, okay, can, yeah. you can look at me four years ago <laughs> and then today. Yeah. That, 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 that's what I've really done is the, the, the weight, the weightiness of it. The world mm. becomes quite weighty when you're involved in anything political because in terms of the media attacks and everything, to be honest, bro, I mean, and you'll appreciate this. Maybe a lot of people wouldn't believe it, but it's true. The ride was so fun. I don't care. Like, yeah. oh, you, you, you insulted me. Like, dude, I, like literally people, you couldn't pay for a New Yorker profile. You couldn't pay for front page of the New York Times. Like I've been everywhere. I've got to see media up close. I've got to know how everything is really done, how the world, the greatest backstage pass mm. and the most significant events in our lifetimes I've been privy to. This is, yeah. that's just an amazing, and that's also too, the, the political people don't understand that they hate that answer. Political people want me to be like, I was Paul, I was on my camel or my donkey or whatever. <laughs> I fell down, I saw God and I decided yeah. I had to sacrifice myself. Me, it's just like the ride, bro, has been mm. absurd and so fascinating. Like there's a, literally a book out about my life, like all this weird stuff that doesn't lead to any money, money from me or even because <laughs> my people don't even read it. Yeah, yeah. But if you just think in terms of have you lived an interesting life, are you going to ever look back and say, did I, did I kill it? Did I really kill it? Did I really do what I could possibly do? Mm. I, I probably would have felt that way. Yeah. If I had just stayed in the, the area that I was. I gotcha. You just said something there that actually uh, interested me. You, you said, um, you said my people. So when, when you say my people now, I mean, what does that, what does that mean? Because you've been in so many different worlds now. Uh, someone like myself, like I can't remember when I first heard about you, but I want to say it was, I want to say maybe six or so years ago, roughly. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, I've kind of seen this journey and development, you know, I know probably, I don't know the split, but I'd imagine the majority of people who have heard about you now know about you more from like the Trump and post Trump stuff. And then there are people who are kind of on board earlier. 
a bit, a bit like me, right? There's most my, there's a huge percentage of my audience has never heard my music now, which is kind of like strange because everything used to just be about the music. So who is your audience? What kind of person resonates with you? Because one thing that's really funny with, with your account, especially on Twitter, is, you know, I, I, know, I know you, of course, you're super aware of this, but I find it fun, funny as someone who's followed you for a while is that people always want to put you in a very certain and tight box, right? And I know you like to intentionally jump out of that box, <laughs> right? Say something that you know is really going to like, you know, be inflammatory, in fact, sometimes towards people who expect you to kind of go down this certain line. And so what kind of what kind of person do you observe being sort of your audience or your tribe? Like what's, what's the thing? Yeah. Yeah. I'm speaking of which, like, yeah, I lost 10,000 Twitter followers because I was like, <laughs> I'm going to help Democrats win the Senate. <laughs> Come on. You, I'm going to be yeah. knocking doors. <laughs> get, get out of here, right? So, those people are not my audience. Okay. And, and I try to make that like very, I, I even said something about Sharia law one time or Muslims. I, it's just, I saw like, it. <laughs> If you don't like Muslims or you're afraid of Sharia law in every corner, you are not my audience. My family's Christian. My family's Muslim. Yeah, yeah. Just they, they coexist in Jordan. Like yeah. they coexist in Israel. So I, I will um, provoke a little bit just to say, look, I don't want you here. And by that, I mean just the low, low consciousness, angry, bitter people. Mm. My, my people, my tribe is always going to be edgier people. Yeah. And we, we have – if I had to describe it demographically, mm. it's men 25 to 44 and then a ton of like women. Cause I'm like a wayward son. So I feel mm. like there's all these. Women, <laughs> right? So, so if you're they're, they're more like, well, you know, that's just, you know, boys, that's how they act sometimes. And, <laughs> and so they're always defending me. These like grandmas and moms. Oh, we love certain, you just, yeah, yeah. just the way these, you know, they act sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> so I have that like split. And that's why people who come over and a ton of reporters, by the way, yeah, yeah. that's one of like the biggest secrets about me is, is the, re the reporters. But the, the idea though is like, yeah, you, you imagine you come on Twitter and you think, Oh, here's this political guy and he's got kids and you insult me. And I'm like making fun of your hairline or telling you <laughs> that or something. Right. <laughs> that was yesterday. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So people that, that part of me, you know, for a while I toned it down and I was, mm -hmm. I just didn't feel good anymore. I didn't feel authentic about what I was yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah. I was attracting a lot of people like who shouldn't be uh, reading me anymore. So I, I always mm -hmm. want to have the group of people who let's just body slam some people. And, but I would, but I prefer to keep, you know, because I prefer to keep a positive, but yeah. if you want to come over and, you know, poker and poke and prod me or something yeah, like yeah. that. that that's that exactly how I feel. You know, I, I get, people don't know what it's like to have a big account. <laughs> Like it totally, it totally changes the dynamics of everything. It is really, it's really weird with me because my thoughts and views have changed not that much in the past 15 years. Right. But there's stuff like I could have said this three years ago and you know, nobody, nobody cares or it's just, it's not a, it's not a big thing. Like I'm just saying the same stuff that I say with my friends or my parents or whatever in private. Right. And then, you know, I say, I'll say something on Twitter. I mean, just the other day, you know, I, I was probably still going on. I don't, I don't check it on Sundays, but, um, you know, I've had like 
thousands of people trying to shellac me for saying something positive about Saudi Arabia recently, right? Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I lived in a country for 20 years and I've just done a podcast with someone from there and I've just brought up like a couple of things. And suddenly it's just, you know, all these people who claim to be open-minded and claim to be tolerant and what it just flips completely. And it's just like, oh, wow. You know, it's like, oh, Zuby's not who, he, you know, he's not who he, right. he thought he was. You change, you know, man. And I'm just like, if you asked me what I thought of Saudi Arabia when I was 12, I would have given you the exact, <laughs> you know, I probably wouldn't have articulated it quite as well, but I'm trying to offer different perspectives here, right? Like, this is my background. This is what I know. You know, here's something to think about. Whether you agree, disagree, whatever, you know, like, here, have, have a think about this, right? Have a think about that. But it's like, and I think, you know, a lot of people get it. I do think the majority do understand that. But um, it, it's just weird sort of leading back into what we were saying before about, you know, the misinterpretations and the, the, the labels and just the things. And you're just like, sometimes, you know, you kind of want to get in there and you've got the energy and you want to respond to everybody. And, and then sometimes you're just like, you know what, if you don't get it, then... Maybe, maybe I, I can't make you get it. Yeah, th- there's a lot of issues at play. Number one is that if you, if you went into a room and said, oh, God, stupid people are terrible, everybody would agree with you. Yeah. It's like, well, half of you are stupid, though. Just by, <laughs> by definitely. Like, but if, so if you said to people, yeah, we're the free thinkers, if you said that in any room, everybody would be like, hell, yeah, it's the other people, yeah. other people that aren't free thinkers. But you say one little thing, like that, that was me with some of my um, – this was in 2017. My own event, I got shouted down by people because in an audience Q&A, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, moderate Islam is fine. And, you know, I know they're like, there's no such thing as moderate Islam. Oh, I'm like, oh, you yeah. people just paid a lot of money to see me talk. <laughs> and you're like, they're, and so I'm like, wait, these are my people. Okay, I need to, yeah. I need to make something very clear. So even if I overstate things, yeah, yeah. the idea, and, and a lot of people who are smarter, so like the, the infamous Islam tweet, for example, what, what the smart people realized is I had showed how in parts, and I don't want to politicize your podcast too much, yeah. but whatever you think about Drag Queen Story Hour, the uh, Muslims just said, we're not going to do it. No. They just said, we're just not going to do it. No. And you know what? They didn't do it. And no. you know what? It, it, it's gone. Yeah. So, so the message that I was saying to Christians was if all of you, it's like, you can't, there's a saying in um, protest, you can't arrest everyone. Yeah. Like you can't fire every Christian. There yeah. are 80 million Christians in the U S yeah. you know, 20 million in the UK or however many, if everybody went to one of those school things and just said, you're not going to do it. We're going to take all our kids off. Yeah. All of us collectively, mm-hmm. guess what? It goes oh, away. Of course. Yeah. So the people who actually had a little bit of nuance are like, Oh, okay. Maybe, maybe I was being inflammatory, but the answer to that is like, of course I was being inflammatory. That's yeah. how you get people to, th- this is the problem is if you, not the problem, but the problem the readers have mm. is that if you want to make a point, if I just said Twitter thread incoming, political action happens when everybody unites and there's something known as a collective action problem. If I just said Muslims are going to win, <laughs> realize the future. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and then they're like then they're right he hates christians now and everything. Oh, oh yeah 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 it, it, and the thing is like there's there's truth in stuff again i i lived in saudi the saudi thing was so weird because 99.9 of the people commenting have obviously have never been there know very 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 little about the country about the people about the culture about anything most of the people who actually are from saudi who are responding 
are agreeing with me <laughs> and saying positive things, including Saudi women who are DMing me saying, oh, thanks for like not misrepresenting my country. Thanks for, thanks for like being fair to us and whatever. I've got some who want to come on my podcast now because I keep getting, oh, well, you wouldn't be saying that if you were a woman and you've never spoken to a Saudi. And um, yeah, but you know, as someone who's grown up in different places and has, you know, we've both traveled a lot. We've seen different places and everything. And it gives you a perspective where you can see, you can see the, you can kind of see the pros and cons and the strengths and the weaknesses of all, of all different things. Okay. I'm, I'm a Christian, but there are things I can see in Islam that, and the way that Muslims, you know, do certain things, which certainly in the, like the modern Western world, right? The, the drag queen story hour thing is actually a great example, right? They, they're stronger in certain aspects, drawing a line in the sand or like putting their foot down or whatever. Does it mean I support like everything there 100%? No, it doesn't. But at the same time, I'm like, hey, you know, there are maybe there are certain things we in the West could learn from that culture or that society or that country or, you know what? Like, oh, they, look at this, look at the way they do that there, right? But, you know, people are so people are so into the, the West is the best mentality and w they don't want it to question or challenge anything in that regard. Um, and it's, it sort of blinds people. And I'm not like, <laughs> you know, where people say, oh, I'm, I'm shilling for Saudi Arabia. I'm anti-Western now. Like three days ago, I suddenly became anti-Western. It's like, no, I'm not, I'm not saying any of this, but it's just such a binary. People's thinking is so, so, so binary. And I don't, I don't know. I, I don't always understand that. Yeah, even with the Muslim thing is I try to tell people they're okay with you being Christian. It's a it's like a radical sect. And they're like, well, the moderate Muslims turn their other everybody does in every culture. This has actually been demonstrated. That's the problem of human nature is that radicals tend to win because they're so extreme mm. and, until there's massive culture. That was even shown with the leftists. Most liberals don't want you to lose your job exactly. yeah. over a tweet. They just yeah. don't but they don't want to draw the fire of these like psychotic social justice wars either. So mm -hmm. they like turn the other way. Yeah. So if you want to say, well, I can't believe that, you know, mo moderate Muslims, you know, look the other way. It's like, well, they don't want to get killed by the terrorists too. That's, that's what like drives me insane. I'm like, don't you understand that the, the greatest number of people who are killed by jihadis are Muslims. Mm -hmm. That's the number one group being killed. And this yeah. is just a factor. Then they're like, well, you know what about Christians? I'm like, they're Christians actually in, in parts of um, the world where they burn, you know, people for witchcraft. Like there's just cultures that haven't fully percolated to, and, and Christians, by the way, were burning people as heretics a few hundred years ago. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. when you, and this, that's where traveling and reading widely goes is when you've read a lot of history and read a lot of accounts of early religions, you realize, you know, we're just, we see now that some cultures and countries are like 500 years ahead of other people. Mm -hmm. But the idea is why don't we bring those other people, you know, a little bit up with us yeah. rather than hate them or demonize. Saudi Arabia is a great example is, mm -hmm. you know, most people in Saudi Arabia, like they're just driving cars to work. Yeah. It, it's, you, you only see the sheiks and the, the obscene wealth or whatever. And most Saudi Arabias are working in oil fields like people in Texas or they're working mm -hmm. adjacent to oil, to oil fields. And people who, friends of mine who've gone to Harvard, Harvard MBAs, they go to Saudi Arabia is quite an educated country. Yeah, they're man. like, yeah, you can't get anything past these people because Saudi Arabia, they're sending their, you know, all their people to be educated in Western countries. Mm -hmm. and nobody ever talks about that. Now, the yeah. flip side is when Saudi commits a crime in the U.S., mm -hmm. there's been cases where they've helped those people get back into Saudi Arabia. So yeah. you can have 
and, and by the way, when I when when you talk to Saudis about that, they're like, yeah, we don't really agree with that either. Yeah, just like I don't think most Americans agree with every action of the American government. Yeah, the drone strikes. Right. Imagine that. Like, well, Americans are evil. Why? Yeah. They bomb, bombed a wedding. Yeah. I oppose it. What, what am I supposed to do? Dude, this this is this has been, uh, you know, I don't want to focus on this one issue so much, but it's it's like that's sort of it's just a great example of this weird thing that happens online and just sort of in in people's brains where what what i what i noticed especially in this conversation was you had people comparing the best of one country or culture with the worst of another country or culture right if i wanted to focus on the bad things in america right like because i kind of posted about this legitimately before i went to the u.s last year I had people, like friends from the UK who, who, don't, who haven't been to America before, and they were like, you shouldn't go. You know, I had people saying, oh, you know, like the racism against black people or police brutality, you know, make sure you don't get shot by the police. I had people saying, um, you know, be careful, like there's, you know, all these mass shooters and, you know, there's so many guns and it's really, really dangerous. I had people saying, you know, you shouldn't go while Trump is in office because, you know, he's, he's amped up the white supremacists and, you know, you might not be safe. And, pe- you know, people were saying this, like, genuinely. And so, you know, as me, I'm, I'm like, guys, I get the same if I travel to Poland or Estonia or whatever, and people are there, like, you know, be aware of the racism. They're going to, you know, and I've been to all these places. Everything's fine. People are nice and all that. And, you know, I'm trying to tell people the same thing with Saudi because people are like, oh, well, what about, you know, Jamal Khashoggi? Or what about, you know, they'll pick out this incident that happened five years ago or this thing about a public execution or whatever. And I'm like, look, you're, you're focusing on, this would be like me just talking about the U.S. And yeah, I'm talking about like mass shooters and I'm talking about uh, school shootings and I'm talking about, uh, you know, drone strikes and I'm talking about the, the, like all the worst stuff that goes on in the U.S., the opioid crisis and homelessness and all that. But if someone were to ask you like to describe American culture, I don't think you'd be like, yeah, we've got a huge opioid epidemic and, you know, people are living on the street in California and uh, we have mass shooters and people like go to Walmart with guns. It's like, that's not, that's not kind of the everyday, everyday life thing. And I just think people are really, I don't know, people call me biased and say, okay, Zubi's being biased. He's shilling for Saudi Arabia. He loves Saudi Arabia, whatever. And I'm like, look, man, I'm trying to, I'm trying to open your mind <laughs> to at least consider this thing. I, I don't know. It's, uh, it's no, that, it's that way with everything. I remember when I would start traveling, People be like, oh, you're going to go to Thailand. Are you like afraid of Thailand? And I'm like, that's the safest country that I've ever been in. <laughs> Vietnam is a communist country. Yeah. Safest country, you go to an ATM, there's just no crime. Now, the flip side is there's no crime because if you're a criminal, they'll just like beat you up in the streets. Yeah. So I'm not saying that's a good thing either, but I'm just saying it's complicated. That's why whenever people go, what do you think about, well, it's complicated. South Africa, for example, if you yeah. read certain parts of the internet, oh yeah, you think, well, you're going to go to South Africa, there's this blood, blood in the streets. Well, yeah. no. There's a lot of crime. It's largely in shanty towns, mm-hmm. or I don't know what the PC thing for that now is, but you can go to, you know, Lion's Head Mountain and hike and everything else. So it's it, even in a place where there's objectively a lot of violence. Sure. You're, you're not, there's not just like blood in the streets. It's actually quite a wonderful place. And mm-hmm. it's like any city, same way in Chicago, DC, people like, I remember, cause I grew up in, a, it, it all goes down to periodicalism where I'm a localist, but I, I have a global perspective. Mm-hmm. So I remember I grew up in a small town and I was always so afraid to go to Chicago. It's like, oh my God, you get mugged. Everybody's get because that's what you, in your own mind. But then, I, then what would happen is I would know people from the city who are afraid of the country. 
Okay. They think everything's deliverance. I don't know if you've mm. ever seen that film, but I there's haven't. like an infamous scene in it. And we can talk about that after okay. the podcast. <laughs> over, but they think they, they're afraid to go to the South. They're like, oh my God, you take one wrong turn, you're in the Texas Chainsaw okay. Massacre. Right? <laughs> Everybody, no matter where you're from, there's always that kind of fear of the unknown mm. where once you've been around, you're like, yeah, I mean, there are some podunk places. Like uh, one time, because I grew up in, in such places, I was driving with um, a girl I was dating at the time. I forget the name of the place, but we pulled in and there was like a sheriff at a gas station, some like really... 500 pound guy who looked just off kilter and they all just stopped and looked at us and yeah. I said, let's get out of here. Yeah. You know, that, there, that was a vibe. I don't, it probably yeah. would have been okay. They didn't have the credit cards at the thing. So it was like a scene out of the movie. And yeah. I was like, okay, we're, we're out of here, dude. We need mm -hmm. to get out of here faster. Like watching us leave. So I don't even know how we ended up there. So there is, but that's not most of the South. That's not of most of not. That's of not most not. rural areas, but city people are like death. If you grew up in the city in America, you're deathly afraid of the country. Mm. And same thing. If you go in the country, you're afraid of the city. Same thing if you grew up. The, so that's where even just traveling, reading older books, realizing that everything is far more nuanced and far more complicated than we could ever imagine and hold off a little. That's why I always tell people, it's like, yeah, that, hold off a little bit to just chill a little bit. Yeah. And it doesn't mean you have to accept the bad aspects of it, but then, no. but again, back to Saudi, why it's so funny is most of the Saudis you're going to talk to online are Western educated Saudis mm -hmm. and they're going to agree with you when you criticize the Saudi guy. They're like, we hate Saudi Arabia because of this. And you're like, well, I mean, have you talked to these people? Like yeah. they, they have, you know, they kind of feel the same way. And there's actually, MBS feels the same way too when he's trying to change, but you don't just change a culture with the flip of the switch, right? No, There's no. all these power bases and everything. And of course. And, and one thing I noticed in that as well is like people forget how long certain things took to achieve in the West, right? right. So pe people are talking about the UK or the USA as if everything all throughout for, forever has been totally fine. And no one's been discriminated against and everyone's been treated kindly and fair. I'm like, come on guys. Like, I don't want to, I'm not one of these uh, far lefty types who's like wants to, you know, crap on Western imperialism or, you know, racism or, you know, all that stuff. I don't, I'm not trying to like dwell on this stuff forever, but it's like, come on, man, like U.S. alone, like how, how many years were, was there? It's yeah, slavery for centuries, like around the globe, around the world, thousands of years. People act like gay marriage was always legal and this was always there. I'm like, come on, man. Like <laughs> you can go back just 10 years ago, even just go back like 15 years ago. And a lot of the stuff you're saying, you know, the situation was, was a little bit different, let alone if you go back 50 years ago. And it's like, that's only one person. You know, that's like one, that's not even one person's lifetime. So if you want stuff to change, you have to like give people, you have to, you have to give people in places some time, right? Saudi Arabia is not, it's like the West does something and then they just want to like snap their fingers and expect the rest of the world, like all the countries in Africa, all the countries in Asia, all the Islamic countries, like, oh, they should just do exactly what we just did. And I'm like- right okay, but it took you like how many hundred years to make that decision? And right. why don't you give them some time to work out? Well, if one, if they want to make that decision, and then two, if they do, you know, give some time for the people to, you know, for it to happen. Like these things do take a while. Yeah, they take a while and then sometimes they go too fast. Mm -hmm. And then oh, yeah. now you're like, wait, how did, you know, how did like we get here <laughs> where there's, like the example that I always use, and I won't use the name because I, you know, still a child, even as a public figure, is 
like if you and I and a couple guys were sitting around the table and an 11 year old girl like jumped up and started dancing and somebody threw dollars at it, yeah. like we would get killed, you know, <laughs> it just I mean, literally, no, I yeah. mean, we just, you're not walk out of there. Yeah. But then if it's a quote unquote drag queen kid oh, gosh. doing that, you're the, you're the bad person if you don't like celebrate it. And yeah. me, I'm like, I've always been Mr. Libertarian, even to the point of like libertine, like be a, mm. If you're an adult, whatever you're doing with other adults, good for you. The more, the merrier, the more, the more fun. But I'm sitting here like, okay, maybe I was just wrong. <laughs> okay. Maybe yeah. the Christian conservatives were right. <laughs> I was just wrong. Things the, the, slip, the slippery slope arguments don't sound so, so silly now, do yeah. you? Yeah, because yeah, I've watched everything that was, well, that'll never happen. I'm like, I mean, it's happening. And now they're trying to normalize pedophilia. Literally. And to okay. the point where Twitter's terms of service allows you to talk about it's it trippy. as a sexuality. But if you tried to talk about racism as an ideology, you'd get banned. It's trippy. So it's like, yeah, I'm like, okay. Uh, so a lot of um, the Christian conservatives I mocked in my younger days. <laughs> I'm, I'm, so then you see, start to see a little bit of moderate Islam coming in. You're like, well, you know, yeah, it's, let's have a talk with these people. You know, let's let's, let's form an alliance. Yeah. Yeah, there, there is a balance. You know, yes, it is possible to be too conservative, but it's also possible to be too liberal. Like I think the West has kind of kind of forgotten that. I mean, I do hope this, uh, I don't know if it'll happen. Hopefully this uh, coronavirus situation might sort of uh, reset people's perceptions a, at least a little bit you know because i think we've been people have been too soft and comfortable for for too long i think i think we it's you know in a weird way in a silver lining kind of way i think it's it's good to have some sort of you know a, a bigger issue at hand to sort of get away from some of the nonsense and the people and, and that's an interesting disconnect to especially with the media writ large is i noticed the big people and this happened in america after 9-11 people have come together the media in the U.S. anyway, they're the only group that their ratings, not their ratings, rather, their, mm -hmm. the perception of them has declined. Because I am seeing just a lot of orange man bad get Trump. He didn't know this soon enough. And then you go and read the people's Twitter accounts, and they were the ones saying it wasn't a big threat. And you're like, okay, this is just not honest. So I think what will happen post-corona is if you're just like a normal person, at least for a month or two, you know, maybe longer hopefully you're just like i don't care this yeah. is so petty yeah. that's what I, I read this beautiful post by I'm an italian writer who's caught up in quarantine and what it's like to live under quarantine mm. and one thing he said is all of these grievances you have with people felt very significant yes until you can't leave your house you can't even see your own children because everyone's under quarantine people are dying mm. overwhelming the hospital system and you, and you start to think, yeah, well, why did I even not like that person? Why was I even caught up in this like trifling thing? What, what was even going on? Unfortunately, one of the curses of us as human beings is we'll, we'll be right back into that nonsense. It'll, it'll come back, yeah. <laughs> it'll come back. And one, you know, I, I'm coming, uh, we're, we're, we're running up on one hour. One, one big question I did want to ask you as someone who's, uh, you know, been following your work for a while and seen you go through these different stages is, how has, um, you know, getting, getting married and becoming a father sort of changed your view and outlook on everything? Well, um, on a personal level, I do start to think about like Google results. My daughter's old enough to Google. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, my, my, motto, my motto for the past three years has been don't give them anything new. Okay. So there's not, there, you know, even there, so there's nothing new on me. If you want to hate me, you're hating me for 10 years old stuff, 15 gotcha. years old stuff. And that's fine. 
see, I'm very much like, well, okay, you know, we don't, we don't need to go here. We don't need to go there. But it has given me just a lot of empathy. So financially, it's not like I'm some rich guy or whatever, but you know, I've done okay. Mm -hmm. And when I go to the store now, I'm like, things are expensive. How are people making it? Mm. Like, I don't, I don't understand the math of just how people are even paying their bills. So politically, it's just made me really more passionate to try to just help people who they're one paycheck away from, from doom, really. Like, like how can we make the world better yeah. for people? Like, you're not trying to buy a Lamborghini. You're not trying to live in a mansion. All mm. you're trying to do is live like a decent life with your kids and be able to take care of them. And you can't even do that. Yeah. So it's made me just empathetic in a way that I never was before. Hence, hence all the gray hair. Yeah. I feel all that. <laughs> yeah. No. Because as a, as an outside observer and you know more of a friend, I have noticed that you know it does seem to have me mellowed you out in a lot of ways, and you know maybe yeah. shifted the perspective on on certain things. Like I'm not a, I'm not a, I'm not married and I'm not a dad yet, but I'm always interested in uh, men I know, whether that's like my own brothers or certain friends who have kind of I've seen go through those stages. And as, as someone who's like very observant, I'm always just interested to kind of observe and, you know, kind of see how different people do things and how it affects them and everything like that. So yeah, uh, the biggest thing is, yeah, you, you think more globally in your choices mm -hmm. where before I do just would do it YOLO. I, I really, <laughs> yeah, I don't care, man. Yeah. And now you're like, well, my kid would grow up without a dad. What would that be like? For her? <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't want that happening, man. Uh, thank you so much for coming on, on the podcast, Mike. We'll, we'll definitely get you again on in the future. It won't be the only one. So uh, No, no, it's a pleasure. I love to see guys <laughs> like you come out from, you know, doing mixtapes to, you know, like you got a, a real presence, man. It's a really beautiful thing, beautiful thing, what you've done and what you've accomplished. I'm very happy for you. Thanks, bro. I appreciate it, man. Is there, before we go, is there uh, anything that you've, that you've got coming up or you've got out that you want people to check out? Well, I didn't plug my movie, which, you know, that shows how intimate our friendship is that <laughs> I'm usually notorious for shilling things at any time I can. Okay. So yeah, I do have a, a hoax movie, which we had a limited release on Vimeo only a year ago, but now it's like widely released Amazon, iTunes, Hulu, every streaming platform. Awesome. Um, the ratings are great. You've watched it. You've said nice things about it. So yeah, good. yeah people, people haven't heard of hoax. Watch that. Because also, too, Hoax explains a lot of why I used to do what I would do. Gotcha. Awesome. Mike Cernovich, thank you so much for joining the podcast, man. We'll talk soon. Thank you. See you next time. I am the man, sick with the slang, sick and I'm destined for fame. Do for the fam, not for the grand, stunt me a destined for pain. I do not front, I do not scam, put some respect on my name. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. 
Granger for the ones who get it done.